I want to help you today. Uh, Psalm 18 verses 1 and 2 are very special to me. The Bible says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Notice those last two words, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I want you to listen to me for a few minutes and then we'll uh, get to the, directly to the teaching. Life has a way of beating up on us. As we grow and get older, it seems like the beatings get bigger and more frequent. <laughs> Uh, sometimes you feel like you went through a gang beating. It, it, it just depends. Uh, you have school and marriage and children and health and work and bills and houses and cars and families and bosses and in-laws and all those things that cause everything in life to get more and more and more and more complicated. Then you add the endless bombardment of the news media and it seems like the beatings never stop. And by the way, as you listen to the news, don't believe the liberals. Amen. Say, who are the liberals? The ones reporting the news. Amen. Well, I listen to Fox. They're liberals too. Uh, the thing in Gaza has been going on since Abraham. Amen. You have the Muslims, the Palestinians, who are the children of Ishmael, the firstborn to Abraham through Hagar, the handmaid. Gaza is the land of Philistia or the Philistines. That's the southwest part of Israel. This battle's been going on for a long time, and it's not going to stop until Jesus comes back after the seven years tribulation, and we whoop the snot out of him in a place called Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo. It's going to be this way from now on. Just don't believe the news. You say, well, well, I can't believe the the Israelites are bombing hospitals and things. No, the Hamas is is using the hospitals and residential areas as a, a, a human shield. We have put, uh, we and the Israelis have told everybody where they're going to be and what they're going to do and said, get out, just like we did during World War II with the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We dropped leaflets saying on this date, you want to get out of here if you're not militant. And if so, you're going to suffer the consequences. We humans are not good at dealing with all of life's complexities. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. We run ourselves into the ground dealing with it. Much of what zaps our energy are things we should not waste our energy on. We uh, run ourselves into the ground, run our health into the ground. Most of the time it's about things with which we should not even deal with. Uh, let me say this. I, I have three adult children and uh, one grandchild. Uh, right now I have five in heaven, but uh, I understand what it means to parent adult children. Did you know that parenting a baby is a whole lot easier than parenting an adult child? You put that little baby down and their problems are minuscule. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're needing a oil or lube job. And, uh, or they just, something just doesn't feel quite right. When you have adult children, they have adult problems. Their problems are bigger, more expensive, and more complicated. Parents of adult children are to be a guide, not a mommy and daddy. Let me say that again. Parents of adult children are supposed to be a guide, not mommy and daddy. That means this. You guide them to the answer and you are not the answer. See, most of you put yourself through a lot more stress than you should because you've decided since your mom and dad you're supposed to take care of them. If they're adults, make them be adults. That's how you guide them. You see, you're not to be the one that fixes it all. You're to guide them and say, figure it out. Everybody doing okay? 
Now we have a world full of people who are stressed out and think they always need time off. It's hard finding people that have time on instead of time off. I'm not talking about time out. Some of you live there. But uh, we have a, a society that's addicted to entertainment, to vacations, so that they can recuperate from their 30 or 40 hour work week. <laughs> Folks, I hate to tell you, I don't remember the last time I put a 40-hour work week in unless it was a short week. I average 70 to 90 hours a week any any week of the year. And that's that's no joke. Just ask my wife. Uh, I've been doing this for more decades than most many of you have been alive. Uh, but, oh, preacher, I, I talked to a guy, he said, Preacher, I'm so tired. I put 30 hours in this week. I said, God bless you. I did that in the first two days of this week, and one of those was a day off. He said, I don't understand how you do that. All those hours. He said, I got I to gotta have time off so I can recuperate. Good night. Ask my wife. She hates going on vacation with me because I, I don't recuperate. I just keep gaining energy. Uh, I can't sit still that long. Uh, if I take a week off and go to one of my kids' house. Uh, the last time I was down at Mindy and Michael's, we were there for, well, she was there for two weeks. I had preached a funeral in Texas for a few days and missed that while I was uh, gone and things. But when I came back, man, I was I was piling up dead branches, pulling dead trees out and cleaning up the woods around their house and burning brush. And uh, I was doing everything. I, you say, what? Because I can't sit still. I got to have something to do. Uh, vacation to me is not sitting somewhere. Mm, I'm not built that way. I, you say, preacher, don't you ever slow down? Yes, for about six hours a night. Amen. Uh, can I tell you something? It's amazing how many people will fill football stadiums and baseball stadiums and hockey rinks and uh, do all the entertainment and the uh, amusement parks and all the things that we do for recuperation, but we're too tired to go to church and we're too tired to do anything but party. We got time to do all the other things, but we don't have time for God. Everybody doing all right? Hang on, we're just in the introduction. You're going to kill somebody by the end if you're not careful. Some people think I'm unusual because of my schedule. I'm unusual not because of my schedule. I'm just unusual. But uh, I'm, I'm not really that unusual. But I have found a truth in the Bible that has kept me strong and running all these years. I realize I'm 56 plus years old. I'm not old, but I'm approaching old. Say, what's old? 92. <laughs> I'm about midlife, Amen. Just a little past midlife, amen? My grandmother lived to be 99. I got a shot at midlife, amen? Now, wait a minute. Uh, I, 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 you say, preacher, how do you keep it all going? How do you seem to stay strong all the time? My wife will tell you, I wake up this way. Uh, yeah. I, 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 now, I get tired. I'm not here to tell you that I don't get tired. I do. I get weary. I do. But a few hours sleep, here we go. You see, I've learned how to let God be my strength. I've learned the secret to the scripture, how that God is my strength. Let me say this right here. I do not expect everybody to keep the schedule that I keep. I don't expect anybody to keep the schedule I keep. When I, You can stay there. You're old. <laughs> when I hired Brother Anthony, I said, son, I'm going to tell you something. I don't expect you, and I'll fire you if you try to keep the schedule I keep. You have four children at home that you need to be a daddy to. I don't expect Brother Anthony to keep the hours I keep. I don't expect my wife to keep the hours I keep. You say, why? Because she'd kill everybody being so tired. And I would be the first victim. Amen? Say, preacher, do you wake up grumpy? No, I let her sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pay for that one, I'm sure. It's all right. 
You see, I've learned, though, the secret of letting God be my strength. You see, he's the one who powers this life of mine. He's the one that at two in the morning or one in the morning when the phone rings and I pick it up on the second ring, it's, this is preacher, how can I help you? Say, preacher, how do you do that? And you crawl out of bed and you, you, you get up and you go and then you go all day because God is my strength. Amen. I do get tired. Everyone needs good food and some rest. But most people need more God and less food and rest. Amen. Too many of us rely upon our food and our rest to be our strength. Instead of our God. Instead of listening to the experts who change their minds every couple months or every couple years. Coffee's bad for you. Coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. Coffee's good for you. Well, I'm here to tell you coffee's good for you because if I don't have it, you're not going to be happy. That's all I have to say, amen. This body's powered by God and, and coffee. Now, wait a minute. Uh... How instead of listening to what the experts have to say, and I've lived enough life to know they don't know what they're talking about. I'd rather listen to the God who made this world and made this body than listen to the experts that don't even know what they are, that they think they came from a monkey. Now, folks, if somebody believes you came from a single-celled amoeba that they can't even tell where it came from, and if they think a tree has a brain, I don't want them telling me what to do with my body. Everybody doing okay? You see, I, I always seem to have the strength I need to do what I need to do. I just have to follow God's plan. Sin brought stress. Sin brought weakness. Sin brought fatigue. Sin brought discouragement and conflict and all the things that go with it to us humans. From the very first sin, Brother Jim, man blamed God and his wife. God, the woman thou gavest me, she made me do it. In one statement, he blamed God and Eve. Man. Well, ladies, just so you know, you didn't support him either. You see, you never see man complain about work or stress until man sinned. You read Genesis chapter 2 and man's busy working, naming all the animals on earth and there's more to it than just giving it you know bill bob joe you know jimmy no 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 he was categorizing them in other words he had to draw pictures of them in color he had to give names to them had to file it you say why because he wasn't going to remember them all he's a man and the males look different than the females and he had to know which one went with what and all that had to be categorized and man was busy doing all those things and never complained and never even had a wife. And God came to man and said, it's not good for you to be alone. <laughs> you say, why? Because any man left by himself too long is going to cause troubles. No doubt. He said, I'll make for you help me. I'll make somebody to help you. Say why? Because he was colorblind and couldn't see you. Amen. Uh, now, sin brought all this stress. Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 show how that all that stress was brought about. And I'm not going to go into that right now. But listen to this statement. God actually cursed the earth also. Don't get mad at me. I'm for eating well. But even healthy food will kill you. You're going to die because of sin. Well, if we eat it naturally... Well, I hate to tell you something. God cursed the ground. And everything you eat is cursed as well. Everybody doing okay? Amen. As we age and as we get diseases and as we get closer to death because of sin, we get weaker and weaker. Brother Jim, you're pretty spry for 92. 
but you're not as strong as you was when you were 32. <laughs> now, he's just as sharp as he was, but he's not as strong as he was. Now, hang on for a second here. As we get, okay, at 56, I'm not as strong as I was at 26. There's things I've chosen not to do because it takes too long to recover from it. Just as God does not want sin to control our life, God does not want weakness to control your life. Just as God does not want sin to control us, he does not want our weakness to control us. We can succumb to the weaknesses of our sinful flesh, or we can obey God and do what he says and be as strong as we need to be in spite of our sinful flesh. God's righteousness, the Bible, the things of God are the source of all sinless strength. Let me say that again. That book right there is the source of all sinless strength. The Holy Spirit that you got when you got saved empowers us just like he empowered the body of Jesus Christ to resurrect from the dead. So between the word of God and the spirit of God that works in accordance to the word of God, he never works outside the confines of the word of God. And together those two things give me the strength needed to do what needs done. Oh, I didn't say you're not going to get tired. But you'll have the strength you need to get it done. There's never any weakness in the word of God. Did you know there's no weakness in God at all? All we have to do is keep filling our tank with the things of God. My uh, truck, I bought my truck a year ago. You know, when it went through its first tank of gas, I didn't take it to the junkyard and go buy another truck. Uh, Yeah, it may have been cheaper. Uh, But uh, you say, what'd you do? I went back to the gas station and filled it up. The strength of the truck is relying on the fuel that's put in it. And the strength of your body, both physically and spiritually, and in your soul, is determined by what you put in the tank. Now, here's the choice. You can choose sin, weak, dying, man's ways, or you can choose the God of all life, the Creator, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit to guide and give you strength. You choose. You're either going to choose what man says or what God says. I don't know about you. I've seen the difference between man and God. I'm going to choose God every time. Because every time I try my way, it's kind of like us West Virginians. Watch this, y'all. Ain't going to turn out good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When I start trusting my way, it doesn't turn out quite as well. And it seems like the more I try it my way, the weaker I get. But when I do it God's way, Brother Anthony, something happens. And it turns out better, and I get strength from it. My wife can tell you I've had long, hard, strenuous, rugged days, and the phone will ring. I'm sitting in the chair. My head is about to explode, and it's just been a day, and the phone rings. I say, preacher, what do you do? I jump up out of my chair, and I answer the phone. It's preacher. I need help. And God reaches down inside this body, Brother Jim, and the Holy Spirit of God activates a vitamin B12 shot. And you'll never know I've been tired. You'll never know my mind was wore out. Say why? Because God became my strength. I don't say call me back because I'm too tired. I don't say let it go to voicemail because I don't want to deal with it. I've had all I can take today and I need time to recuperate. Oh, no, 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 no. Did you know you only get strength by opposition? You only get strength by exercise? You don't get strength sitting on the chair. 
You get strength working the opposition. You see, God tells us in Psalm 18 that he gives us nine ways to be strong. In Psalm 18, God gives us his recipe of strength and how that he gives us nine different ways to be strong. This morning, we're going to cover the first four. Tonight, we'll cover the second five. Let me show you God's recipe. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my what? Rock. The rock. What is that? That does not mean he's a stone. The word rock there means he's my foundation. This building, when it was being built, I watched every scoop of dirt just about. I watched every uh, layer of this building going in. And you're, you're sitting on a slab right now that's reinforced concrete. It's about, uh, I think it is uh, 10, 10 inches or 12 inches thick. But what's underneath this building is amazing. Out at the front end of the building, they went 18 feet down from where the foundation is. And then it slightly rose back this way, and they hit bedrock out there 18 feet deep. And then every eight inches, they came in with shale. Amen. Brother Bob, I watched this. And every eight inches, they would pour shale, and they would roll that that shale till it was almost as hard as concrete. We had a geotech engineer on site for a week and a half, almost two weeks. And every eight inches, he would come and test the compaction level of that, that layer of shale that had been rolled. It had to be uh, virtually as hard as concrete, and then they would pour the next eight inches. And they did that all the way up for 18 feet out here till it was level where it needed to be. That was the year of the monsoons. Y'all remember? What I did not realize, I had to have someone show me and tell me, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to our church foundation. Because every gallon of water weighs roughly eight pounds. Think of how many gallons of water pounded on this pad that summer. When they went to uh, test the final layer after before they poured, uh, they have a piece of rebar and a three-pound hammer, and they, they pound on that, and it has to get at least five hits so it doesn't pass a certain line on that piece of rebar. Guy was out there, it was 90-some degrees. He was sweating. He said, Pastor, he said, you broke a record. I said, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? He said, Pastor, I've hit that piece of rebar 32 times and still not down where it needs to go. He said, I give up. He said, that is the hardest platform. He said, this church, he said, in case of a hurricane, a tornado, or an earthquake, run into your church building, it'll never fall down. He said, it's virtually on solid rock. <laughs> Oh, my God is a rock. The rock of my salvation. By the way, this building has not settled much. The foundation is hard. When they came in to backhoe and trench out for the, for the footers and things, the guys digging went through a couple different buckets because it was breaking the claws on their buckets. He said, that stuff's stinking hard. I said, you should have just gone around it, but that's okay. It doesn't bother me. That means it's good. You see, Psalm 18, verse 46 said, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. You see, God wants to be the foundation of your life. Not your finances. God should be the foundation. Not your mental health. God wants to be your foundation. See, most people have problems in all areas of life because they want to be their own foundation. Well, I hate to tell you something. Man's foundation is nothing but sand. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. 
Y'all know what that song? When they built the house on the sand, the rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and the floods came up. Rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. But when you build on a rock, rains can come, the floods can come, and the house is going to stand sure. Say why? Because it's built on the rock. And when you build your life on the rock, Christ Jesus... You let him be the foundation. It's amazing what you can weather. It's amazing how when the storms and the hard times come, how you can weather the storm. My wife and I have been through a lot of them. We've got five grandbabies in heaven. My oldest and his wife, Josh and Ruth Ann, they've lost three babies. About a year and a half ago, Mindy and Michael lost twins. Josh and Ruth Ann decided to uh, do foster care and adopt, and then last December had, had one that was supposed to be theirs legally by then, and the state came in and changed everything and jerked all three away. What a crime. Had one for 16 months. Adoption was supposed to be finalized. Two days before Christmas. I had to take my wife home, and she had to take the presents from underneath the tree and take them away, Brother Jim. Hearts were crushed. Can I tell you something? How do you make it through that, preacher? <laughs> my God is a rock. He's my foundation. They may have taken the kids away, or we might have five that are in heaven, but God hadn't changed. Amen. God didn't die. And because of that, I got a firm foundation. You see, God wants to be the base and the foundation that holds everything up. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse number 4 says this. I'm going to start reading in verse number 1. You catch up verse number 4. If you're not there shortly, just look at any page and look intelligent for a minute. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank that spiritual what? Rock. And notice that rock has a capital R. Why? Because it's a proper noun that followed them, and that Rock was Christ. When Moses gathered the Hebrews in the wilderness and they crossed over the Red Sea and got to the eastern shore in Saudi Arabia on the eastern side. And the Hebrews began complaining, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we wish we were back in Egypt eating watermelons and leeks and garlic. Now that is a strange combination to one. <laughs> That means there was a lot of pregnant women there or something, I guess. That's not a combination I had to put together, trust me. Uh, but they were all uh, hungry and thirsty, and God said, Moses, take your rod and strike the rock. And enough water for three and a half to five million people came out of that rock. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, that that rock followed them. Now, I can't tell you if that means that rock rolled around the wilderness for 40 years with him? I don't know. I do know this. God said that that rock followed them and every day for 40 years they had enough water for three and a half to five million people and all their animals that went with them and that rock that followed them was Christ. Amen. That's why Moses got in trouble and lost his ticket to the promised land because years later, he was coming back from the funeral service for his sister Miriam, who had spared his life with Pharaoh's daughter. And they were complaining, and they were thirsty. And God said, speak to the rock, and it will give water. And Moses said, pow. And he said, nope, that rock's Jesus, and he'll only be smitten once. That's why Jesus only came and died at Calvary one time. Moses was changing doctrine by doing that. And he lost his ticket to the Holy Land. Our God is a rock. Psalm 62, 
Turn with me, if you, if you can, quickly. Psalm 62. Verse number 2 says this, He only is my rock, my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Now look at me. You say, how can God be the rock, my foundation, by getting saved? Amen. Notice how many times salvation and rock go together. You see, until you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're trusting in your own strength and your own ways. You're trying to get to heaven on your own. See, religion is man telling God how God has to accept man. God says, thus saith the Lord, do it my way or no way. Amen. It's kind of like military chow. You don't say, well, I'd like this and like this and like this. <laughs> Brother Harry, your son's down at, or grandson's down at Paris Island right now, and he's not walking through the chow line saying, well, can I order this? Yes. <laughs> now eat it. It's military, child. They flop it on your plate. You push it down the pie hole and swallow her. Amen. Say, what was it? Doesn't matter. It went down the pie hole. You see, uh, too many of us, we leave God out. And by the way, that's why a lost man trying to do things God's way fails. Because until you get saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit of God working in you to give you the strength needed to do what needs done. You see, our foundation must be solid or will fall when the hard times come. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. Matthew 7 is about the man on the, building his house on the sand or the rock. Matthew 16, Jesus said uh, unto Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He wasn't talking about Peter being the first pope. Amen. Let me say right here, the Catholic Church didn't start till 330 A.D. 300 years after Matthew chapter 16. There was no such thing as a Catholic church in the time of Christ. It didn't start till Constantine in 330. Peter was not the first pope. Jesus said, Peter, your name means Petros. It means, it means rock. It means pebble. He said, I'm not building the church on you. The church is built on me. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Say why? Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If it's built on a man, it'll fall. Amen. See, uh, I don't think you ought to say that about somebody else's religion. Well, religion, God said, is bad. Amen. I'm not part of a religious group. I believe in being part of the church. Amen. Are you doing okay? We have to have the foundation, and God is our rock of our salvation. Guess what? No matter what comes, nobody can take your salvation away. No matter how bad, how tough it gets, it, you say, well, preacher, what if I die? Then you're going to wake up in heaven. Amen. Good night. Uh, when, when somebody dies and goes to heaven, I'll be honest with you, I feel a little jealous. <laughs> you say, why? <laughs> Their problems are done. We've got to keep on going down here. Thank God we have God and not man as our rock. Say why? Because nobody's ever defeated God. Amen. Make him your foundation, your rock. Secondly, the Bible says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. I'm about to shout. Do you know what a fortress is? A fortress is what they, uh, the definition is a cache, a storage of goods and weapons. God's not only our rock, our foundation, but he's our fortress. He's the one to whom we go for our food and our weapons. Mm -hmm, about to shout. Psalm 31, verse number 3 says this, and you need not turn there because I'm going to go to several verses here. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Psalm 71, verse number 3. The Bible says this, as soon as I get there. The page is stuck there. 
Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. And thou hast given commandments to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. I love these verses. I can quote them, but I'm going to read them. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I hide. Now watch this. God has all I need when the hard times come. Amen. Uh, Brother Scott, when the tough days come, I can go to the cache, the fortress, and get the strength and the food and the weapons I need to fight the battle that I've got to fight today. Say, do you have them in advance? Nope, but they're there when I need them. You check them out, use them, check them back in so that next time you need them, you know where they're at. Amen. And God is my fortress. It's a place of storage. We think of a fortress as a big, uh, big castle hidden behind walls. It may be uh, restricted access, but it's not, a big, uh, it's not a big castle or anything. It's a cache for food. And it's a cache for uh, the weaponry needed. It's a, a place for ammunition and the essentials needed for war. Can I tell you something? The Bible says they, some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Oh, the world can trust in all their money. They can trust in all their fancy things. But I just happen to believe that... Philippians 4.19 is still in the Bible, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Say, preacher, how, how am I going to make it through this tough time? You just keep obeying God, go to the fortress, and he'll give you the ammo, he'll give you the weapons, he'll give you the food, he'll give you the strength you need to make it through that battle. Amen. Oh, you're not going to have it in advance. Uh, I, I thank God for God's grace, but needing God's grace really stinks. When you're at a place where you need God's grace, you're not in a good situation. Uh, I thank God for the miracles that he still does today. But when you need a miracle, you're not in a good situation. But we still serve a miracle working God. Amen. We still serve the God of all grace. And we serve a God who has a fortress that is never ending. It's always resupplied the moment we check things out. You see... <laughs> When we run out, we can run back to the cash. When it's taken from us, we can go back and say, I need another in God. <laughs> There's days my heart's broken. The news comes and it's hard. And I have to say, God, I need you again. He said, it's okay. I opened up the cash for you. Get what you need. And go back out and help somebody. And I use up all my ammo when I come back and I say, God, I'm tired. Been a long, hard fought day. And here's my weapon and the phone rings. And I go back and say, God, I need it again. Could you give me an extra magazine? And he hands me back the weapon I need. And he said, oh, by the way, son, here's a little strength to go with it. Here's a little honey from the rock. Here's a little food to give you strength and you can go out there and fight and it'll be okay. And I go back out. I come back in. I hand him back and say, God, thanks. I made it. The phone rings again. Can I tell you something? Every time I go, he's got what I need. Every time I go, he's got what I need. The key is I got to go. If I trust in me, I'm going to fail. I'm going to falter. I'm too weak. Number three, God is my deliverer. Not only is God my rock and my fortress, but he's my deliverer. Uh, the word deliverer means one to carry someone or something away safely. Ladies, when you birthed your children, you go in and they have a delivery. In other words, there's somebody there to 
help you birth that child and take it away and clean it and make sure that it's safe and healthy and they get it ready for you. That's exactly what God does. He's as gentle with us as the doctor that delivers that child. It may appear a little rough at first, but it's all to give strength and life back to us. Psalm 40, verse 17, Psalm 70, verse number 5, don't turn there, but God talks about being our deliverer. Brother Anthony, I can't tell you how many days. I don't know if I can make it another step. And I'll say, God, I'm not sure I can take another heartache, but if you give it, you'll give me strength. Take it. God, I'm not sure I can keep on going, but I keep on going. Oh, we were building this building and the pressures were immense. And the county (laughs) and all the things that we were battling, going through all these things and the finances. And I promised God we weren't going to raise money. I said, God, we're going to build it off the tithes and offerings or we're not going to build it at your house. We're doing it your way. I'm not doing it man's way. We're not going to have a thermometer and everybody give everything they got. We're going to build it your way. We're going to do it week by week, and you're going to provide what we cannot. Amen. Amen. I remember battling. Say, God, I went to God, uh, Brother Steve, and I said, I got to have $10,000, God. A man in Indiana called me, said, Craig. My wife and I have some crumbs left in the Christmas cookie jar, Brother Kevin. He said, can you have your secretary send me your banking information and I'll have it wired into your account. People that wire money into churches' bank accounts don't do $100. They'll send a check. I said, God, you know I've got to have 10000 You can give as much as you want, but I've got to have ten. I hadn't told anybody but God. A couple days later... I got a text from him and said, go to the bank, it's at the bank. So I went to the bank. I asked the lady to look into the account and see if the money was there. She said it was. I said, can you tell me how much it is? She said, you don't know. I said, no, ma'am. She said, you let somebody put money into your account and you don't know how much it is? I said, it would be rude to ask. I said, my daddy told me, don't ask. If somebody's given, just take it and swallow it and be okay. She said, you really don't know. I said, no, ma'am, I don't know. How much is it? She said, it's $100,000. I said, can you push that thing again just to make sure you got the right numbers? And I kind of went like this on the chair, leaning on it. She said, Pastor, it's $100,000. She said, are you okay? I said, have you ever been given $100,000? She said, no. I said, that's how I'm doing. I walked out to my truck weeping. I said, God, I only asked you for 10. You're off good. You must know I got needs that I don't know yet, but I'm glad it's there in reserve. And we had needs, and it's been used. You say, how's that come about, preacher? Because God is my strength, my fortress, and my deliverer. You see, God doesn't ever promise to keep you from a problem. But God said, I'll be your deliverer in the problem. I'll be your rock, I'll be your fortress, and I will deliver you in your problem. See, we're sinners. He can't keep us from all of the consequences of sin. He can deliver us from not having to die and go to hell. He can deliver us when we're in trouble and we do it his way and get out of it. But he can't keep all the problems from happening to us. But he said, I'll be your deliverer. Number four. I'm about ready to come unscrewed. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. And number four, my God. That word God means almighty. All might. All powerful. 
Our God is the all-powerful God. Oh, there's people out there that have other gods. But you can go visit their grave and see their bones and the dust that they their bodies lay in. But if you go to Israel and find the tomb where Jesus was, even though they probably don't know where it's at, uh, you say, why? Because he wasn't there very long, only three days and three nights. Because our God got up out of the grave because he's all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out uh, arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Verse 27 in the same chapter says, Behold, I am the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? When you get up against a problem that's too hard for you, can I tell you where to turn? Okay, God, I need help now. Kind of like that teenager that's trying to work through math and can't quite figure it out and doesn't think mom and dad are smart enough to figure it out. Even though we had to go through the same process when we were their age. Everybody doing okay? Say, what is that? You got to get to a point where you ask for help. There's somebody that knows more than you know. Well, I happen to know the one that's not only got all the might and all the power, but he has all the knowledge to fix all the problem. See, he's not just my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, but he's my God. He is the one that gives all power at every time needed. Did you know God doesn't have a blackout? <clears throat> Did you know you don't have to pay the electric bill with God? Say why? Because he is all power. And he wants to be your power. <laughs> I'm about to shout. You don't need to turn there, but Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says this. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So, um, Revelation 11 uh, 19 verse 11 says this, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. That doesn't sound like some sissy with long hair walking around in a, in a, in a dress, does it? Amen. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and had the name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that uh, with it he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the almighty God. And he had on his vesture... And on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Say, who is that Jesus? Because according to John chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And verse 14 says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And our God, Jesus Christ, will be and is the almighty God. Amen. He has all strength. He has all power. And God is the only one that has that. Sure. Not a man-made God. Buddha is not God. Amen. The Shintus don't have God. Amen. Reincarnationists don't have God. Grandma's not a holy cow. Everybody doing okay? Let me just say this. Government is not God. Man is not God. Big fat Buddha is not God. See, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 11, when Jesus went to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, he said, look, verses 8 through 11, look, all the foundation, I'll give you all this power. And he said, scripture said I already have it. Don't you, you can't give me anything I don't already have. Amen. He said, you can't tempt me with position. You can't tempt me with power. I am all power. Amen. You know, man gets pretty enticed about power. 
The higher people go in positions of authority, the more tempting it is to let that power go to their head. (laughs) Oh, I love this verse. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. I preached on this last Christmas, I believe. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Notice the Mighty God. Thank God. He's our rock. Thank God he's our fortress. Thank God he's our deliverer, but thank God he's our God, the almighty, all-powerful one. He is all strength. Say, preacher, how do you keep going? I just gave you the first four ingredients. Say, preacher, how do do you keep the, uh, the, the schedule you keep? He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God. And when I obey his words and do it his way and do it in his power, I got all the power I need. I'm kind of like the extension cord. Did you know if you plug the extension cord into the vacuum cleaner, but you don't plug it into the power source, the vacuum doesn't work? See, but I'm plugged into what needs power, but if you're not plugged into the source, you have no power. An extension cord is there to take power from the source and give it to something else. That's exactly what I am. I'm to be plugged into God and plugged into you to help you get what you need from Him. Most of us are running around unplugged. We're trusting our own strength. We're doing it our way. We're doing it the way we want or the way man says and God says, but I want to be your strength. And I've shown you the first four out of nine ways that God can be our strength. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.